listening to a podcast from gravitychurch.com, Lodi, California. You will, if you stick around long enough. But we are glad that you guys are here. We've been going through scripture, um, man, for several months now, following this trail uh, that started with a very interesting passage of scripture. We're going to read it to you tonight here in just a minute. It's a prayer that Jesus prayed, and it's an interesting prayer because it's one of the last prayers that Jesus prayed while he was on this earth with you and I. Now, we've talked about before, but it's worth repeating that when somebody knows that their time here on earth is short, when they know that their time is about to to change or be different, they start to think differently, they start to act differently, they start to behave in a different way. And Jesus And in this last season of his life, began to get very focused and began to get very uh, intense about what he was going to do and how he was going to do it and the final days of his life, what he was going to say and the things that he was going to be a part of. And one of his final prayers is pretty lengthy, but right in the middle of his prayer says these words that I want to share with you tonight. Jesus says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Pretty powerful words that Jesus says here. He says that his heart, his desire, is that everyone here in this room tonight that calls themselves a follower of Jesus would be so closely united and so closely connected that when the world sees us, they will be seeing a perfect reflection of the love of God. Now, what you and I have experienced in our life, unfortunately, is not a unified body of Christ. We have not experienced this understanding that we all are the same and connected. What we've experienced is a lot of different people groups and a lot of different varieties and a lot of different things that people do that tend to divide They tend to point fingers at one another. They tend to do things that are not in keeping with this prayer that Jesus prayed. Last week, we talked about a group of people that Jesus was very familiar with. We talked about the Jewish people. We talked about the fact that they were a group of people who had suffered incredible, incredible tragedy in their life. They had gone through some really, really hard times. As a matter of fact, there was a season in their life as a people, where they were taken out of their home, they were ripped out of their place that they knew, and they were taken into another land that they were completely foreign to. They didn't speak the same language, they didn't have the same customs, they didn't worship the same, they didn't eat the same foods. They were ripped out of everything that they knew, their safe place, and they were put in a place that made them extremely uncomfortable, put them in a place that made them very vulnerable, put them in a place where they didn't feel home. Now, it's interesting because 
Jesus comes and he speaks to this same group of people. He talks to a group of people who he knows their heart has been broken. Jesus talks to a group of people that he knows have suffered pain and tragedy and abuse and wrongs. And Jesus goes to them with this message of unity. Jesus goes to them and says, I want you to come back together again. You know, those people that Jesus was talking to in those days, they were our ancestors. They were, they were us. They were a part of our story. And just as those people suffered a lot, this room right now is full of people who have suffered a lot too. This room is full of people right now that if I were to ask you to stand up and take a microphone and tell your story, your story would bring tears to our eyes because of what you've been through. The life that you've lived, the family that you were born into, the upbringing that you endured, the, the, the family that you had modeled for you, for many of us here tonight, was full of wrongs and full of abuse and full of neglect and full of things that we don't even want to think about. Last week, we talked about the fact that when Jesus came to this earth and when he came to live with us, he was not coming to try to find a people that were all together or to find a group of people that had it all figured out. He was coming because we needed something that we could never give to ourselves. And he saw that and he knew that and he knew that the only thing that could correct where we were at in life was for himself to come and be with us and build a relationship back with our father that we had lost. We've talked over the last several months about all of these different pictures in scripture that the Bible uses to help us understand who we are. I don't know about you guys, but I sometimes have a hard time knowing who I am. I look in the mirror and I think, okay, this is who you are. I, I look at you, I look at other people and I think maybe I'm like this or maybe I'm like that and I have a hard time sometimes knowing exactly who I am. And so when we go to scripture, what it does is it clarifies it for us. It, it, it brings the muddiness out of the waters and emerges some pictures for us to look at that helps us to see who we are in the eyes of God. Some of those pictures that we've looked at is the picture of a family the Bible describes us as a family of people who've been brought back to their father who had lost them, and we're his children. I love that picture. There's another picture in the Bible that describes a body, a real physical body that has hands and feet and ears and eyes. And the Bible says that that's another picture of us, that if you belong to Christ, we operate and function like a big giant body. And every body part has its own uniqueness and has its own very, very important part to play. If you're here tonight and you believe in Christ and you follow him, you have a very important role to play. We talked about another picture about this, this body of Christ. It's a church and how God calls us all collectively his church and how he's given gifts to his church Jesus in scripture says that he's given gifts liberally and generously so that we can all be together. These gifts help us to stay strong and connected and hold us tight as one, as one. And so last week we looked at another picture in the Bible 
And the book, the, the picture that we looked at last week, we started in the book of Revelations. And I want to share the scripture with you one more time because it's amazing. It says in Revelations 19 and verse 7, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and his bride has prepared herself. Last week we talked about this picture of a wedding. And in this wedding, there's a groom. And the Bible says that this picture that we look at and Jesus came to earth to show us this picture was a picture of him coming and carrying with him the role of a groom, a man who is anxiously waiting for his wedding day. We talked about how exciting and anticipation is in his heart to go to this moment. And last week we discovered that the Bible literally says to us tonight that we're his bride. We're the bride of God. We're the ones that he came for. We're the ones that his heart leaps for. We're the ones that he desires. We're the ones that he wants to be connected with. And so when Jesus comes to this group of people, you've got to understand their hearts had been broken. Their lives had suffered loss. They had been devastated. And Jesus comes to them and he says, I'm the bridegroom. I'm the guy. I'm the one anxiously waiting for my wedding day. And he says to these brokenhearted people, you're the bride. You're the ones that I've come for. You're the ones that I desire. You're the ones that I couldn't wait to get close to. And they look at their history and they look at their life and they look at where they came from and they go, how? How could you be interested in us? How could you be interested in my life? And Jesus came to prove once and for all that years and years before, there was a promise given to these brokenhearted people. There was a promise given to them from God himself. And he said to them, I see where you're at. I see the pain you're going through. And I know what you're about to endure. But at the end of it, I will come for you. And I will make you my bride. I will bring you close to my heart. And God said to these people, I know your time is going to be in pain for a while, but don't let go of the promise that someday I will come for you. And Jesus was the fulfillment of that promise. He came for those brokenhearted people. And he said to them by his actions and by his words that God keeps his promises. That God does not forget that God is not like you and I that look at a time period in our life and we go, wow, God, the last five years have really sucked and I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle much more. Where are you, God? I think you must have forgot. God's like, I haven't forgot. I haven't forgotten anything. I haven't forgotten right where you're at. I know right where you're at. I'm going to keep my promises. The big, the big question that these guys had when Jesus talked about all of this stuff the big question that they had was, when? When is this going to happen? We want to know when. You're, you know, it's great, Jesus, that you're talking about all of these great times to come and you're talking about this wedding and, and all this great stuff, but when is it going to take place? In Matthew chapter 24 they asked Jesus this specific question. They said, Lord, when is this going to happen? 
And it's very interesting because Jesus answers their question with a couple of stories. We've talked about these stories before, and I'm going to share them with you again tonight. The first story Jesus tells them is about 10 bridesmaids. Have any of you guys ever seen a wedding where there's 10 bridesmaids lined up? That's a big wedding. That's a, that's a lot of pink dresses and flowers. It's, that's a big wedding party. And Jesus tells a story. He says, the kingdom of God is like 10 bridesmaids who were all preparing for the wedding day. And Jesus says, these 10 bridesmaids each had a lamp that gave off light. And in this lamp, it had oil. And Jesus said, in order for the oil and the lamp to work, the oil has to stay full. It has to be maintained. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like those bridesmaids who are standing waiting for the groom to show up for the wedding. He hasn't come yet. He's still on his way, but he hasn't shown his face yet. And they're starting to get tired. And they're starting to get grumpy. And they're starting to think, this dude's not showing up. This is good. He's, gonna, he's not going to show up. And the, our friend, the bride, isn't going to be ready. And Jesus says, these bridesmaids, some of them stop looking with anticipation in their heart. And they start thinking, I don't need to keep the oil full in my lamp any longer. I'll just set it down and, eh, no big deal. Jesus says, don't do that. Keep your lamps full of oil. Stay ready because the groom is on his way and you don't know when he's going to show up and you want to be ready. That was the first story that Jesus told in response to this deep question of when is this going to happen. The second story was an interesting one too, one that some of us can relate to a little more. Jesus tells a story of three guys. He says, these three guys all worked for a man who decided to take a trip. This guy decided he's going to go away on a vacation or he's going to go away on a trip and he's going to leave these three guys in charge. So he goes to the first guy and he says to the guy, he goes, hey, you're a pretty good employee. You're somebody that I trust. I'm going to give you 50% of the responsibility. I'm going to give you half of my whole business to take care of. Now make sure you do a good job. Make sure you handle my business well. The next guy's not so sharp. So he says to him, I'm only going to give you 25% of my business to manage or 30%, something like that. And the other guy, he's like, you're not as sharp either. I'm just going to give you the remaining little bit. And he tells these three guys, I'm going away for a while. Handle things. Handle it. And so Jesus tells the story about how this boss leaves. He goes on this trip. And then he comes back and he found some interesting results. He found that the first guy that he gave a bunch of responsibility to did really well. Matter of fact, he did so well that his business exploded. But the second guy didn't do quite as well. And the third guy actually didn't even show up for work. He totally just blew it off and he's like, the boss is out of town. How is he going to know? This is before the days of the internet and spy cams. This is before he could log on and check on what's going on at the office. The boss shows up and the, this guy, he's saying, this is the example to look at. Remember, this is an answer to a question that Jesus was posed with. 
These stories were meant to help people like you and me understand hard to understand things. And so Jesus says, guys, it speaks for itself. Don't be like the last two guys. Keep your eyes focused. Keep your heart engaged. Make sure that when you've been given something, you take care of it because you never know when it's going to happen. It's kind of interesting because when we're talking about the wedding of God, it's kind of a big deal, right? Think about it. How many of you guys saw this royal wedding that we just had happen like six months ago? If you stayed up until three in the morning, we got to talk, okay? If you didn't, I mean, I, I know my wife did. Oh, sorry, honey. But there was, there was all this worldwide anticipation for this beautiful wedding of these two young people, this prince and this princess coming together. It was, it was just a big deal. And I think about it. It's like the Bible talks about the wedding of God when his heart is finally brought back together with his love. It's kind of interesting that I think this picture is given to us and it poses me at least with a question of what is God or what is Jesus looking for in a bride? What is he looking for? When the Bible talks about this wedding and he talks about this anticipated moment and this coming together between God and us, what exactly is God looking for? Well, there's a story in the Bible in Matthew chapter 26 that I want to share with you. It's kind of an interesting story. It doesn't have anything to do with a wedding. But listen to it. It says, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While Jesus was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied to them, Why do you criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for, for burial. And I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and talked about or discussed. This same story is told in a few other places in the Bible. And in the other places that we find it, we find that this wasn't just an ordinary woman. This was a woman who had had a very dark past. This was a woman who had lived a lot of her life as a prostitute. Somebody who had had a difficult time in society, had a difficult time in her life finding her way. And she had come to Jesus with something that probably equaled her life's savings. Probably the most valuable possession that she owned. In these days, this, this type of a perfume sometimes was passed from father to son or daughter to, from mother to daughter. It was, it was like a family heirloom. It was like an inheritance because it was very valuable. And it's interesting that this woman comes to Jesus 
and offers to him everything that she has of financial value. Brings up the question, why? Why would this woman do that? We see the response in the people that were there, the followers of Christ that were there. They were angry. They were like, what is she doing? This is a waste. We could have taken all of this, this, this worth and value and we could have fed people and we could have given it to the poor. We could have done so much ministry with it. And Jesus says, hold on a second. Remember, he's talking to a group of people who have suffered tragedy, whose hearts have been broken, just like yours and mine. And Jesus says to them, hold on a second. You're looking at the wrong picture again. You're looking at the here and now. And you're not looking at where you came from or where you're going. You're not looking at the promise that God gave to you. And you're not understanding that the fulfillment is right now. And you're not understanding the moment that you live in. And you're not understanding that you're my bride. And I am the groom. And I am with you right now. And you can't even see it. Your eyes are blind and you can't even see it and you can't even hold on to the moment. Jesus, says, he basically told them, I'm not going to be here very much longer. This woman is being used of God to get my body ready for my death. He's telling them, I'm not going to be around much longer and you guys don't get it. You don't understand what is standing before you. Everything that you have looked for your entire life is right before you, right this moment. And I'm telling you guys tonight that everything that you have looked for your entire life is right here, right now. The same Jesus that was there in that room trying to open eyes to see him is here tonight trying to open yours. He's trying to get our hearts that have been beaten down from life and from the darkness and the pain that's all around us, he's trying to get our hearts in a place to where he can open them up again and he can get the blood pumping in them again and he can get them to feel again and get them to back to where they've got to be because our hearts, they don't work right. We've put them away in a box and we've built a wall around them because we want to protect ourselves and we don't want to let anybody in. And I'm not going to trust anybody because the pain too much and God is right here right now here tonight and he's working on your heart some of you right now are scared to death you're just like get me out of here I know but you're where you're supposed to be right here right now you're where you're supposed to be this woman that we look at she was the absolute answer to the question what is Jesus looking for and his bride? See, she wasn't looking for something else. Her heart wasn't divided amongst all these different things and concerns. Her focus was pinpoint and it was on Jesus. And she said, with everything I am and with everything that I own of value, I'm not going to miss this moment for anything. And she saw it. And she seized that moment. 
And she gave Jesus everything that she had. She gave him her heart, but she also gave him her life. And tonight, God wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants all that you are. You look at your life tonight and you say, but it's not worth much. He's not interested in money. He is not interested in anything like that. He's interested in you. When he looks at this room tonight, he sees people that are worth more than anything in this world. So much value, so much worth, so much that he loves. As we think about this this picture of a wedding, as we think about this day that Jesus talked about, as we think about this coming event that, that Scripture talks about and portrays, we go back to this, this understanding that things right here, right now, are not as they should be. It doesn't take a brilliant person to look around the neighborhood that we are in right now and to see the devastation of a world gone crazy. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look and go something doesn't add up. We can look in our own families. We can look in our own lives. And we see all kinds of things that are not right. And it tells us it's not finished yet. It's not over yet. In the book of Revelation, where we were last week, there's a few points that I want to share with you tonight quickly. And remember, this is a, this is of spiritual vision that God gives to a man. I don't know if any of you have ever had a a vision before. I've had friends that have had visions before. I think I might have had one one time. But people have described them as like a dream. Like, Like you see something in your mind's eye, but it's not real and you're awake. But you know that it's It's God, and God is revealing something. Well, in this story, in this Bible verse here in Revelation, God gave a vision to a man. And God said, write everything down that you see. Some of it you're going to understand, and some of it you're not. Some of it you're not going to be able to interpret or make sense of, but write it down exactly as as I give it to you. And this vision that was given to this man comes into this point where he starts talking about the wedding and what happens. And it says in this verse, it says, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life. It was clear as crystal, and it was flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb, Jesus. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month and the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. And it says no longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and His servants will worship Him and they will see His face and His name will be written on their foreheads. 
It says there will be no night there and no need for lamps or the sun, for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. Jesus says, this is Jesus talking. He says, look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And the Spirit and the Bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. It's very interesting. It says, the curse will be removed. It'll be no more. I can't wait for that day. I can't wait for the day when the pain and the things that have been done to us that are wrong will be made right. I can't wait for the day when justice finally will be done. I can't wait for the day when sickness is gone and poverty is eradicated. I can't wait for the day when families will stay together forever and never be devastated through the tragedy of divorce and abuse and loss. I can't wait for the day for the curse to be gone that we live with right here, right now. It says that Jesus is coming soon and he's coming to look for his bride. The picture that scripture gives us of the bride of Christ, us, those that call themselves followers of Jesus, He's coming for us and he's looking for us and he's desiring for us. It says right here that our heart says come. We can't wait either. I can't wait for the day when Jesus comes. Last week we talked about my favorite moment in a wedding ceremony. The moment I love the most is the moment when the The groom is standing in front of everybody and the music changes and the doors open and in comes the bride. I love the moment when I look at the groom's eyes and he sees his bride for the first time. Because tradition is that he's not supposed to see her that day. He's not supposed to see her the day of the wedding. He's not supposed to see her in her wedding gown. He's not supposed to see her being all ready and prepared. He's not supposed to see her until that moment. I love that moment. I love seeing his eyes come alive and I love seeing that groom having the anticipation come to an end and his heart is full and every single time it's happened, he's just like, whoa. Because the beauty of the moment and the beauty of his bride sweeps him away. My friends, we are the bride of Jesus. And the day will come when Jesus will be standing looking down the aisle at us. And as we come together as one and as we come to him, he'll see us 
And that question, what is Jesus looking for in a bride, will be answered once and for all because Jesus will be looking for a bride that is looking for him. He will be looking for a bride whose eyes are fixed on him saying, I'm here, come. You're my groom, come. It's time, it's time for us to be together forever. It's time to end this madness. It's time for us to have the completion of the story of God and to enter into the chapter that I can't wait of knowing God in a deeper way than I know him now and being with him forever. Close your eyes with me. God, tonight, we've talked about pictures. We've talked about stories. We've talked about images and examples that, to, that the scripture gives us to help us try to understand you. And God, for some of us here tonight, it's still hard. It's hard for us to get it. It's hard for us to grasp it. It's hard for us to be able to completely understand who you are. And so God, tonight I pray that for the next few moments, you would do what no man can do. I pray that you would reveal yourself to every heart that's in this room. Show us who you are, God. Show us in a way that we can understand. Show us in a way that we can relate to. Show us who you are. The last song that we sang together, it said a prayer out of the Bible. It said, open the eyes of my heart because I want to see you. And tonight, that's my prayer for each one of you and for myself, that God would open our hearts so that we could see him. It's time for us to respond to God tonight. It's time for us to allow him to show us who he is. We have in front of us at these tables bread and juice. We have these simple elements and yet Jesus talks about these elements in scripture. Jesus talked about the fact that when we would gather together as his followers, he wanted us to recognize and remember him. Everything that he did for us and the life that he lived and the life that he gave. And he said a simple way that you can do that when you gather is to take bread and juice. And he says, and I'm right there with you. And so every week we come to these tables and we say, Jesus, it's easy for me to forget. And I don't want to forget the most important thing in my life is you. So Jesus, I'm going to take this bread. I'm going to take this juice. And I'm going to take you into me. And I want you to become a part of my life and I want to remember you. If you're a follower of God tonight, you can do the same thing. And if you're here tonight, and this is all new to you, and you've never done anything like this before, I invite you. I invite you to come and open your heart up to God. Let your first act of faith be taking this bread and this juice and saying, God, if you're real, 
I want you. And take this bread and allow him to show you who he really is. If you're here tonight and you need prayer, we're here to pray for you. We want to help you. We want to be there for you. We're going to turn a song on and we're going to watch some moving words. And I'm going to invite you to come and have a time of communing with God by yourself and have a time of prayer. But if you're here and you need to talk to somebody or pray with somebody, don't walk out these doors. Because we're here for you. This is why we do this. You're loved by us, and we want to show you that love by being here for you. Listen to this song and come as you feel led.
God, right now we open our hearts up to you. God, we thank you for the way that you come and the way that you move on us and the way that you reveal yourself to us. God, and I pray right now that as we get real with you, God, as we open our lives to you, God, I pray that you would be real with us. You've been listening to GravityChurch.com. 